Welcome to the Special Needs Kids Are People Too podcast with Amy Bodkin, EDS. Amy is an autistic adult who also happens to be a school psychologist turned special needs consultant and public speaker. She's also a homeschooling mom to two autistic kiddos, a yoga instructor, a card-carrying Trekkie, and an all-around fun person. And last but not least, Amy is an advocate for seeing every child as a person, not a diagnosis. Because a special needs kid is just like any other child, just more so. Here's Amy Bodkin. Hi, I'm Amy Bodkin, coming to you from the blanket fort in my office, and welcome to Special Needs Kids Are People Too. Last time we started a series of episodes using questions that people asked in my Special Needs Homeschooling Help with Amy Bodkin Facebook group for a special Q&A series. This next set of questions, I'm grouping them by topic. First question is from Rachel. How do you explain your child's challenges to them in a positive way? And she gave an example. Son, why are we doing these exercises? They spend an hour doing MNRI reflex exercises most days. She says, to help you learn and grow. Son says, I'm already learning how to read. Mom says, well, this exercise we're doing is to help your body know where it is in space. Son, I already know that. Me, well, you know how you run into people a lot? Son, yeah. Mom says, you're getting bigger and it's important that your body be able to go around people and not hurt them accidentally, like the older ladies at church. He's knocked down every single elderly person at church, maybe eight total, and they are worried. Son starts crying. How would I better help him see this is about him, but about others too, without crushing him? Kelly says, what would help an adult child with autism move from being angry about the diagnosis and wanting to hide, ignore it, to acknowledging it, and even accepting that part of themselves? So those are two questions that I think really get at the idea of how do we inspire confidence? Because what we're trying to avoid is not being confident. <laughs> there are two different situations at two different ages presenting in two different ways, but it really comes down to the same question. How do we inspire confidence in our kids? The short answer is we don't because self-confidence actually really truly does come from within. So you cannot build up someone's self-confidence. But there are things we can do to assist them by creating an environment that encourages and supports them being them. And also with the people that we choose to be part of their environment. When we choose to have people in their environment who think that they are great the way that they are and see how wonderful they are, but also recognize that every single person has strengths and weaknesses and that we all need accommodation at some point. Those kinds of relationships can really help a child develop a sense of confidence. Um, the, but the biggest thing we can do is let them be themselves. When they see that we like them just the way they are. Think Mr. Rogers, guys. <laughs> If you want to learn how to do this well, watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. All of the episodes are free on archive.org, I believe. Mr. Rogers always did a really good job of that. He always said, I like you just the way you are. And that's the message we want our kids to get. The challenge is, is that as parents, a lot of times we feel like, well, yes, but we need to help you. We need you to learn and grow. And there's all these things you're going to have to be able to take care of eventually. And I don't I'm not going to be around forever to do it for you. 
which are all valid concerns and fears. The reality is, is that we can't do anything to prepare or prevent those things from happening. Sometimes bad things do happen, things that we can't prevent. And there isn't anything that we can do. We can stress ourselves out worrying and trying to prepare for all of the possible eventualities. But the reality is, is that we cannot predict all the possible eventualities. And we cannot plan too far ahead because we can't predict how life is going to go. And because of that, we have to stay in the moment as parents. We have to appreciate who our child is right now and help them find their next step. So for instance, with the example of running into ladies at church, one way we might be able to turn this around, he says he already knows where his body is in space. Okay, are you sure? What about when you're running? Do you ever sometimes bump into things? Are there times that you don't? Another option would be to think, okay, you know how some of the ladies at church are getting a lot older and it's a lot harder for them to move around? Their reflexes aren't very fast anymore. And they're also, they aren't as strong as they used to be. It's a lot easier for them to be able to be knocked down. One of the things that we can do to help them is to make sure that we are working hard at teaching our bodies, since they're younger, to do the things that they can do to help them keep from getting knocked down. So it's kind of turning it from accommodating for his problem to accommodating for someone else's problem. We look at other people in the world and who are falling inside the average zone and we just kind of assume that, oh yeah, well, they don't need to be fixed. They don't need to be accommodated for because they're average. People need to be accommodated for all the time. Older people, younger people, it is an accommodation to provide bathrooms for people. Like if you didn't have to have a bathroom, like if you had, like if you wore a bag or something to collect waste, then you wouldn't necessarily need a bathroom. So, you know, that's an accommodation that we freely give in society that not everybody needs. And just because an accommodation is given in society doesn't mean that that those people aren't being accommodated for. And sometimes pointing out where other people are accommodated for helps. It helps us to recognize that everybody else doesn't have it all together. Yes, we live in a world where there's a little bit of a bias in what we will and won't accommodate for. When was the last time you saw a changing table in a public bathroom that would accommodate an adult? I don't know that I I, I might have seen one in my entire life. Maybe. There are so many times that we do not accommodate for some people's needs and we accommodate for other people's needs in society. Helping our kids be aware of where people are being accommodated for. See, do you know why people do that? It's because they're accommodating for them because they have this need. You know? And that not all people have those. Some of them are much more common and more commonly accommodated for, but not everybody has those needs. So thinking about it more perhaps in that term, that might help some. And with what Kelly asked, what would help a child with autism move from being angry about a diagnosis and wanting to hide and ignore it, but to be accepting it and making it a part of themselves? Oof, that, that can be really tough. It is a journey that everyone has to go on for themselves, um, and it's, it's not easy. But I do truly believe that the number one thing we can do is to help kids learn to appreciate themselves and adults too. When people feel like the people around them think they are great just the way they are, that makes such a huge difference. And the thing is, is like, I think we all feel that way about our kids, but we don't always act in a way that makes them feel that way. And a lot of what gets in our way is our own fears and anxieties. We're looking at it going, oh no, they're not doing this yet. Oh, they've got to learn this before then. 
I've got to have them be somewhat independent because I can't be there to take care of them for the rest of their lives or, you know, any one of those kinds of worries that parents will have. And those fears sometimes cause us to put expectations or pressure or to unknowingly make our kids feel like I'm not good enough the way I am. And oh, that is so hard and tough and just heartbreaking. Heartbreaking for the kid, heartbreaking for the parent too, because a lot of times that's not what the parent meant to give off. And a lot of times it takes a little bit of time evaluating our own fears and our own goals in our parenting. What are our goals for our children? It cannot be, I have a goal of you being able to do X, Y, Z. I have a goal of you being in this environment. I have a, those are too specific. I have a goal of you being whatever your best self is. And there's definitely some complaints about the term best self. Like when we say best self, do you mean like, you know, I want you to be perfect? No, that's not the goal. But I do want you to be what you think of yourself as being what makes you happiest, what makes you your best. And what makes me my best is not necessarily going to make my kids their best. That one's particularly challenging when it comes to things that are important to us. Things like religion, things like education, values that we hold personally dear. It is a lot harder not to end up putting those pressures on our kids to feel like they need to choose the same environments, the same choices that we do. And when we get to a point where we can let go of some of those fears ourselves so that we aren't putting that kind of pressure on them accidentally, which is super easy to do, I think it makes a huge difference. Another thing that I think helps is helping them find their people. One, parents can't be the end-all be-all of everything for their kids. No one person is meant to meet all of your needs. That's just not humanly possible. Helping your kids develop relationships with either other people that are like them or people who get them or people who like the same kinds of things they do, that makes a huge difference. I've been processing a lot of feelings this last year with having been sick and it's been difficult because my daughter's the same age now that I was when my mom was sick and I have a lot of emotions from that. And I never wanted to put her in that kind of a position because it was so hard on me. And yet, that's where we're at. And one of the things that occurred to me, though, is that one of the things that I have been able to do for her that I didn't really have was she has a lot of people in her life who are friends, who are not family, who are not bearing the same burdens that we are, who are able to step in and love her and provide support when I'm not always able to. And that has been a wonderful gift to be able to give her. To have friends who maybe they're not exactly like her. Maybe we have challenges getting along sometimes. Maybe we have challenges communicating sometimes or knowing how to respond to each other. But to have friends who are like, hey, I like you just the way you are and I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to bridge the gap so that we can build a relationship. That's fantastic. If you can have people in your kid's life like that, that's worth its weight in gold. Are you a homeschool family looking for support? as you work through all of the different needs that all of your children have? Or maybe you think you might want to be a homeschooler and you'd like to dig in a little bit further, get some support about how we could potentially make that work. You should sign up for my membership at amybodkin.com. We have 
a weekly book discussion, diving into all sorts of different topics from things like narration, sensory processing, behavioral issues. We also have a weekly office hour where you can show up and ask any questions that you want without it being recorded. And finally, on Wednesday mornings, I get together with all of the students and we either do yoga and a craft or watch a video and do a craft. And then we spend an hour playing on our private Minecraft server. A lot of times my membership has been described as getting a giant hug. And in a lot of ways it is. My personal favorite is Wednesday mornings playing with the kids. They are so much fun. And I have such the unique opportunity to get to play with them as a neurodiverse adult and kind of giving them a little bit of guidance as we are living life, you know, walking together. Check it out at amybodkin.com. And having friends who like the same things you do, where you're not weird and you're not, oh, you're so uncool or whatever they're saying these days. That's really important. It's funny, a lot of the Q&A questions we've been dealing with so far, a lot of them, it all comes back to relationship. It's the relationship we have with our kids. It's the relationships we put them in touch with. It's learning to be Mr. Rogers to our kids. Like that, that would sum this podcast up entirely. Be Mr. Rogers to your kids. Mr. Rogers inspired confidence in others because he started out with the premise that I like you just the way you are. And when people like us just the way we are, it frees us up. We quit trying to be what people want us to be or what we think people want us to be. And we start being the people we were born to be. I like to say that Every person in this world is a gift, and they're unique in their own special way. I would not want all of my gifts to be the same, so I would not want all of the people in my life to be the same. If I really want to have all those cool, surprising gifts of people, I have to be willing to not set those expectations, to see what happens, to see what's beautiful about it, and to not judge it. That one can be really hard because we have our own perceptions of reality, our own view of, no, this is the best way to do it. This is the easiest way. This is the most efficient. This is the happiest way for me to do it. It's not always the happiest way for everybody else to do it. I have a very particular way that I go about cleaning a room because otherwise I get visually overwhelmed and cannot figure out what to do next. So everything gets piled on the bed and then I slowly start putting things away from the bed because then the room's clear and I can see where I'm going. Not everybody does things that way. A lot of times people will just pick an area of the room and work on that. And as I've gotten older, I can sometimes do that okay. But when I was younger, it was too visually overwhelming. So people do things different ways. Sometimes they drop things that are important to someone else because, well, it's just not really for me right now, or it's not something I love right now, or it's not something I'm quite ready for yet. Encouraging your kids to find the things that they love, the people that they love, the interests that they love, the places that they love. Sometimes it's finding even like a religious house or worship service that is appealing to your kid. That one's a big one with autism. I've said in previous podcasts before that it's very common for autistics to grow up to be atheists. And I think a lot of it's because our religious settings are very socially oriented. And there's a lot of like sensory things going on too. And the same environment does not perfectly fit each person because we're all different. We learn differently. And trying to help your child discover what that is for them, the dirt that they really thrive in. You know, if they're a plant, 
you're trying to find the perfect dirt for them to grow and thrive. Like the perfect dirt, the perfect amount of sun, the perfect amount of water. If you give a cactus too much water, you're going to kill it. So maybe you're, maybe your kid's a cactus and, you know, you're a peace lily. You do not treat those two plants the same way. And if you do, it's not going to go well. <laughs> so just because you're a peace lily does not mean you're producing peace lilies. Trust me, it never works that way. The gene pool is way more diverse than we give it credit for. <laughs> So you have to help your kids find what they love, people who see them for who they are, and think they're great just the way they are. And if people aren't doing that, maybe find some more people because I think that is what is really needed to help inspire confidence in our kids. It has to come from within, but it comes from within by having examples and mirrors around them in their lives that show what it looks like to think someone's great just the way they are. So go out there and be Mr. Rogers to your kids. Sit them down and watch some Mr. Rogers Neighborhood episodes. It's my favorite recommendation when people ask me about what do you do about social skills? I'm like, have you considered watching Mr. Rogers? <laughs> That's my favorite. Thanks for joining me today. We'll be back with some other questions next time. Bye. We hope you had fun listening to today's episode and gained some new insights into the wonderful variety of people in our world. You can find out more about Amy's advocacy work at amybodkin.com. And remember, special needs kids are people too.